Self-care game podcast should not be considered as or replaced with therapy. If you're currently experiencing a mental health crisis, please reach out to your local mental health authority or the suicide crisis hotline. It's your girl. I am not prepared today of who I am. Um, Brandy, you know who you are? Um, I'm Brandy. I just thought of that off the dome. Um, Brandy from Cinderella Story, now that is on Disney Plus. I am Gorilla Glue Girl. <laughs> I'm her doctor, not her, her doctor. You know what's funny? Well, we'll talk about that later, and I'll tell you the funny part of that story, but yeah. Okay. Well, y'all, y'all are in for a treat today. I have my friend and also licensed therapist, Monica, Cafe with Monica. She is our guest for this episode. Hey, Monica. Hey, girl. Hey. Welcome to the show. So, do you have somebody that you would like to be? Oh, my gosh. Who would I like to be? Man. Ah. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, I guess. I mean, no pressure, no stress. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I would love to be, you know, Michelle Obama in the inauguration. Like, all the way. Like, that's like 2021. That's like, that's how I want to enter the year. Yeah. She did that. I'm still shook. (laughs) Yeah, this girl, this girl I follow recreated her outfit, her uh, Instagram. Yeah, her Instagram name is Jay Ivory, and when I tell you she, like, killed that, like, she recreated it. She was, like, literally ordering the outfit the day of the inauguration, and from, like, different sites, and it all came together, and she killed it. It looked really good. So, yeah, welcome, y'all. Welcome to this new episode today. We'll be talking about a lot of interesting things, but first, I just want to ask y'all, how was y'all week? How did it go? Just want to check in real quick. If you know how my week went. <laughs> Girl, why well, I yeah. thought you was asking the audience? <laughs> I know. I'm like, if you're asking me, you're the audience. No, because we have did that on the episode before where we like gave them a moment to tell us and then we was like, all right, that's enough. Oh, yeah, we did. Well, y'all know I got the uh, second shot for the coronavirus vaccine and it was on Thursday when that, when like the roads were just so crazy. You know, people in Texas don't know how to drive. Um, And I feel so bad for the people who got hurt you know, and lost their lives on, like, that day, but I just, it was a crazy day, and I feel like that just set the tone for a lot of the week, um, but I, I, I just rested, and, you know, just, just carried on, but, but, you know, like, like, life is hard, like, I feel like 2021, at least the beginning, feels like a continuation of 2020, at least on my end. Don't say that. Yeah, 2020 wasn't just going in because it was a new year, it's just, ugh, it's rough out here. It really is. That was a crazy day. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Those families. Yeah, like, luckily, I'm, you know, thankfully, I'm working from home, so I didn't have to leave the house. But I saw that 100 car pile up, and I was like, child. 
I was like, how did that happen? And then, like, the videos, wow, it was crazy. I mean, people all over TikTok were just posting this, and I was just like, oh, my. Like, see, yeah, people on TikTok posted um, what happened on that pileup. Like, you could literally see the cars flying and the 18-wheeler just crushing. Uh, it, was, it, it was so terrible. I was, I was immediately crushed, and I had to, like, stay out of my phone for a couple of hours because it was just like, how could people post that on TikTok? Like, why? Like, why do you want to... That. Yeah, I didn't even watch the video because as soon as I realized what it was a video of, I clicked off because I was like, obviously, this is going to be a pretty bad video if it's like going viral. And I just I didn't want to see people die. I mean, not that it was like close ups of people dying, but I just didn't want to see a car crash. I used to work in yeah. auto insurance. So like none of that, like uh, it just makes me more conscious of driving. And none of that was like anything that I wanted to be entertained by. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, that's I didn't even know it went viral. That's how you know I disconnected from it. I was like, I'm not gonna look at this. I didn't repost it. I just, yeah, I praise it. Yeah, it was just too much for me. But yeah, this week was. I got sick this week. I thought I had COVID, but I didn't. I had a sinus infection. Um, and I thought that took up most of my week. Me being sick, honestly. So. If y'all hear me sniffing on this episode or I sound a little bit different, it's because I'm kind of stopped up. So, please <laughs> use that. But, yeah, that was pretty I think, much wrong my week. I think you sound fine in comparison to some of our other episodes where you sniffling every two seconds. <laughs> when I was sneezing. Hey, out. shout out to our um, listeners for, like, dealing with us with our background noises because we sure be <laughs> just going through it. <laughs> y'all got planes and buses and all kinds of things in your <laughs> For real. It's just a mess, okay? This is over here in my house. I kind of say there's a lot of traffic. Yeah. So, so my week was... I've still been having a hard time trying to focus at work since I've been back. Um, you know, since my leave. So that's been one thing. But... I made it a point. So I actually talked about this on a different episode and on my Instagram story about not having my work from home set up in my bedroom because that's where I had a desk and like, you know, it was easy to like just put everything there. But that was when I was like feeling anxious, being stressed out and like you literally open your eyes and sit up and you're looking at work. So um, I went ahead and finally caved in and bought a second desk and so the desk that's in my bedroom is like my personal like you know setup laptop etc and then the desk that i bought from amazon is my work setup and that's like in my dining room area so that came today set it all up i'm excited to see if that makes a difference in my productivity because i feel like i was i was working for my kitchen island so that was already hella uncomfortable because i'm sitting in bar stools um but yeah, so that was pretty much my week. Other than that, um, yeah, nothing new, nothing exciting. It's Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah, it is. Are you doing anything, Monica? Yes, we're gonna go. I don't know where we're going, but my husband planned something. It's it, it's it's weird because February is our like it's Valentine's Day and it's also our anniversary. So I just I I kind of feel bad because it's like ooh you kind of have to do two things but I didn't tell him like you have to um but I feel like he feels pressure too so I told him I was like you know 
you don't have to. And you know I'm a planner, and I'm such a picky eater too, so my husband doesn't have the easiest job when it comes to planning out dates. So I basically did like a Google document of all the places that I would like to go, and I gave it to him. To oh my God. I thought that made it easy. Such a type A person. He's the most type A friend I have. Like, I right. I thought and Devin was type A. Enneagrams today. So she can kind of explain these different type of Enneagrams and the different type of personality styles and all that. Yeah. So, before we get to talking more, let's go ahead and go into the media segment. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, so first thing we're going to dive into for the media segment. So apparently the attacks against the Asian community has increased since the pandemic, which is, the, I'm trying to make the correlation. I'm like, what is going on here? For the COVID. Well, COVID, they thought that it originated from China and that all these people who went to go to China, they came back here to the U.S. and now it's all their fault, which is so ridiculous. Like, it so is. ridiculous. Ugh, people, seriously. Remember that video was floating around with Mike eating a bat? And they were saying that was the origination of, of COVID. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, I remember people saying that. That was just ridiculous. And I can't believe I did not make the connection because I, when I think of COVID, I do not think of the Asian community. Like, Remember, it was, um, it's Trump's fault when he was calling it the Chinese virus. Yes. He mm -hmm. called it the chi um, Chinese, the Kung flu. Mm -hmm. called, they had all type of nicknames for it just horrible um but basically the attacks on the asian community has increased which is very disheartening um but i think it made me feel some type of way and if you follow me on instagram i already said something about it but i think how the conversation was brought about made me feel some type of way because i've seen people say if you if you support BLM, then make sure you support us and don't forget Asians in your anti-racism training. And I'm just like, who who said that? You know, I'm I very feel strong like opinions on this, so I'm gonna let y'all go first. <laughs> I I just feel like people who are saying that, you know, continue the divide between, you know, the the different racial cultures. Like I just think it's just so dumb to think that oh if you if you do support BLM you have to make sure that you're also supporting the Asian community like um we should be supporting you know, every, every single person who is impacted by you know the attacks and hate crimes like it just it's just so ridiculous to me um that we have to choose why why is it a choice and why is it include them in the anti-racism I thought that that was a given yeah, I swear every anti-racism training that I've done, it has a, like an example of an Asian person in it. I swear it's it's like Asian, it's like Indian, then, you know, of course they do the religions and stuff like that. But I've always seen them included in anti-racism training. And it was I was watching this video of this um, lady that was just basically saying, instead of looking up towards, like, if you think about it, just like kind of like a chain, um, anti-racism is basically based on anti-black you know what I mean so basically the closer to white you are like the more privilege you have 
So at the end of the day, the Asian community has more privilege than us. Um, so instead of looking down, like why, if you're supporting, if you support the BLM, support us, you need to be looking up towards like white supremacy because white supremacy is the ultimate problem. So that's why it rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, we don't do this. Like, like Nene Leak said, now why y'all put me in it? Nah, I get in this. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I think that it's unfair to call people out by organization just like it's unfair to call people out by name that haven't done anything um for you to say blm needs to support anti-racism that's what blm is all about so obviously you don't follow the movement close enough to understand we're not just fighting for the rights for black people it's a given that we're trying to stop racism period so regardless of if it's against now we might not have signs that say stop racism against asians or stop racism against Hispanics or whatever the case may be, but it's it's to end racism, period. Just like when we're fighting for the rights of our trans brother and sisters, like, you know, people or anybody in the LGBTQ community, like that, like you can't support that without also supporting trans people. You can't support that without also supporting um, mm-hmm. lesbians and, you know, exactly. bi, bi people and everybody else. So even though you don't vocalize, like, yeah, I'm fighting for, rights for you know racism to stop for everybody like that's that's the given i'm not saying we're not saying like okay move people move black people up higher on the totem pole and everybody else can be down and we just don't be with white people looking down on everybody else like no that's not what we're fighting for we're fighting for level ground for everybody yeah but at the end of the day white supremacy gotta go i don't know what we gotta do i feel like i don't know i feel like and i don't want nobody who is asian trying to call out um, any black people if you weren't over here marching with us you wasn't calling people out in your family because it's not just white people that have to call uh people out in their families and hold others accountable it's everybody so let's not act like we don't go into the hair store and be discriminated against let's not act like we don't go into a convenience store a nail shop or, or anywhere else and get ex- discriminated against or you know get that uncomfortable feeling so mm-hmm. unless you are yeah. stopping racism within your own family don't try to call out blm or anybody else who is african-american to support you like not to say that and, and the thing is black people have a history a history of fighting for other people not just ourselves mm-hmm. And we've always gotten the short end of the stick. And it's like, how dare anyone try to call us out and say, like, y'all need to make sure, you know, racism against Asians has increased and and hate crimes and y'all need to make sure y'all supporting us. Where were y'all? And not to say that there were no Asians present, but it's just that, like, stop the blame game. Let's stop. It shouldn't be blamed on this, first of all. But it was one post that I said that I saw that like kind of summed it up pretty well. And she basically said, um, by the very nature of anti-racism education, no one is missed or and no one is exempt from the anti-blackness in a white supremacist country. The core of your work has to be directed to white supremacy, regardless of their background, will side with whiteness because that's the yardstick for success and opportunity. If your anti-racism work does not include how Asians have been targeted by the white, by white supremacy and also how they have been upheld Oh, I can't get my words out. And also how they have upheld it to assimilate into the mainstream American society. Go back to the drawing board. Make demands of your own community as loud as your scapegoating of Black people. And I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. And this girl named I Heart Erica um, said that on Instagram. And I was like, she has a point. Because it's just like, 
they we can definitely like condemn like the attacks that they're having against them like that's absolutely wrong we know it's white supremacy and we need to do something about it but in the same breath it also needs to be acknowledged how some of y'all upheld some Asians have upheld the white supremacist beliefs within their right, community right because they have oh, not absolutely the you know I actually I took my diversity course last semester and my diversity book covered this like really well talking about the model citizen and the model race and um, how Asians are a part of that because they came from a foreign country and learned to trade and now they own nail shops they own hair um, stores they own convenience stores in our communities you know liquor stores in our communities why because they were able to get these trades and because they were closer to white than to black they were able to succeed quicker than us and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people in the asian community who look down on us like oh y'all are lazy and it's like you don't understand like you came over here and you looked more white than black so you were given a better chance than Mm -hmm. us who have been here and you looking at us like y'all been here y'all should have did something y'all lazy y'all y'all this and y'all that yeah like that's not you don't understand the struggle and the history of it all so I just encourage everybody to educate yourself as much as you can about every race because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day you have to interact with all of them and Mm -hmm. and that's how you get to the core of how people feel the way that they they do and Mm -hmm. how people have inherent racism in them because yeah like Asians didn't from what I know Asians didn't own slaves in America, at least that I know of. So yeah, it's like they didn't have, you know, it wasn't like they just looked at us like property. Yet we still know and experience racism from Asians. Some Asians, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So it's just, you know, the core, like you said, like people say, I don't see color. I think it's important for us to see each other color and learn about each other cultures and each other and embrace each other differences. And I really think that's the only way racism is going to go away. But, you know, we still have some work to do, but we've also came a long way. So I hope these attacks against the Asian community decreases. Um, I'm not sure if there's any like organizations or if they formed anything as far. I I mean, I didn't see anything. I didn't see any ways of to of how to help. I just heard people saying this needs to be in the media more, which it should be. Um, just like that um, attack in Nashville, that bomber and like that barely yeah. got any coverage. That's crazy to me. Yeah, you know, this whole situation is giving me um, that, what was it, Uh, SARS situation, how Africans, a lot of Africans were calling out Black people, like, y'all need to um, be aware of this and support us just like we supported you, and it's like... (laughs) I mean, damn, like we literally, you asking people in the battlefield no, to also, right, no, that's, we are literally, with our own trauma, not even right. trying to be like that, we but in you know war, I mean. and y'all asking us to, okay, stop fighting them for a second and help us over here fight them, like, but, but wait, like, so who, who trying to figure fight? it out, we trying to figure it out, but yeah, prayers to the um, Asian community, I wish I had a resource to provide to y'all, yeah, if you Monica, did you have out. any thoughts on it? I honestly, I mean, I agree with everything that you guys said. I mean, even me as like Latinx, like there are so many things that I have benefited from because I look white, because I have light skin, you know, that was, hasn't always been the case for some of my other Hispanic friends, you know? And so it's just one of those things. Like I do agree with Devin, like you, 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 you have to recognize your whiteness because your whiteness is 
there's a level of privilege that you get because of that whiteness. And for you to say that you don't see that whiteness and for you to say that all these other communities need to support you, like, no, first you got to make sure you see your whiteness. And I do. And and everything that that girl said on Instagram, like, it's so true in the Asian community, there has been this idea to assimilate. Um, There has been, there was a, a time, I don't know if you guys remember of Tiger Mom, this girl, this uh, um, Asian mom that showed up um, and talked about like how much like they like to control their kids to get into like these high prestigious schools. Why? Because it was something that a white person could accomplish, you know? And, and so, yeah, no, I definitely agree with all of y'all. Um, and it's definitely something that I've, I've had to recognize because I have not always been able you know, like, like, sometimes I'll, I'll like, like, to be very completely honest, sometimes I'll be like, well, like, I'm also a minority, like I have struggles, too. But then I have to recognize my struggles, just because I have struggles doesn't mean that you all don't have struggles. And just and, and also, that doesn't mean my struggles are are better. And I think that's, I feel like that this is where this debate goes, like, we feel like we have to have like, our struggles are worse than other people. And now it's, you know, the Asian communities turn to speak up. And like, that the black communities need to like, support them. And I don't know, I just feel like, like, we just need to give black black people a break, like you guys are focusing on you. And honestly, you have to, because who else will? Yeah. We're just trying to repair our community. Like, honestly. Oof, right. Really like, and I hate to say it, but even with all of the hate crimes, like, I don't wish hate crimes on anybody. So even with the hate crimes, the racism and everything going on in the Asian community, y'all are still better off than us. Yeah, mm-hmm. more people getting killed by the police, just to be honest. Well, not, not even, not even, a, like, not, not even from, a, like right, but, but not even, okay, like, take away, like, deaths or injury or hate crimes or, but from a economic standpoint, y'all yeah. are still in a better mm-hmm. situation than us. We're trying to at least, like, have a, a, a pawn in the game. Yeah. So, but still, prior to the community, I wish I had a resource to share but this this racism stuff it's it's a lot of work to be done but we gonna get there um but in other news mark cuban decided to stop playing the national anthem at his games mm-hmm. which is a very bold move for is he is he actually cuban or is he white girl he's white okay. <laughs> he's white it's a very bold move for a white man right he's a know. he's a billionaire um and he is he's like the owner- he's shark tank yeah, he does Shark Tank. Oh, right? like his skin yeah. is kind of dark. Like I was like, he got some in him. I wasn't sure. <laughs> and he also owns uh the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks. So he's he chose to stop playing the games there. His decision actually got override by um the NBA Association. Yeah, like, you know, but the oh, fact yeah. that he would even try it, I commend him for it. Yeah, it is what it is. We just need a new national anthem. But yeah, we just don't need any. Like I don't understand like, anthem, yeah. That whole pledge of allegiance, like that whole thing is like disgusting when you think about it. And the fact that we were forced to do it. And it's like we were pledging allegiance to a company that has to a country that has no allegiance to us. Yeah. Did you when you moved here from Flint, did you real did you think it was weird that we did the Texas pledge? Because I heard that every state don't have a pledge. Um, or they don't make y'all recite it in school at least. 
I don't remember ever doing the Texas Pledge. I mean, you know, I have a bad memory, but I don't recall doing it. I moved here when I was in the 10th grade, so. Monica, did you have to say um, the Texas Pledge? Uh, yeah, yes, we did. The Yep, we did. Every, every morning, morning announcements, we had to do the Texas Pledge and also the, uh, the National Anthem. Yep. No, we didn't do that mission. It was just like, that's, that's what, that's why that's what, because we're all red. <laughs> like yeah. it's, we're a red state. Like it's no. Yeah. They made us, we had to like look one way for the U S mm-hmm. flag and look one other way for the Texas flag. And you're just like, okay. The Texas flag. Oh wait. I do kind of remember that. So maybe we did do it and my memory's just foggy, but I know that I probably felt embarrassed because I damn sure ain't know it at my big age because I wasn't from Texas. Oh, we knew so. it. They made sure we knew it for some reason. I can still say the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, the they, made, they made it a prize to be able to say the announcements and to be able to say the Pledge of Allegiance in front over of the like intercom. the whole, yeah, over mm-hmm. the intercom. It was a thing. Like people were proud. <laughs> Why are all Texas schools, high schools and middle schools the same? We all did the same thing. That's so weird. And I was right there at the border on Arkansas. So it's crazy that we did it. I, it was crazy that we did it. I was right at the border of Mexico. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's <laughs> you know, so that's crazy. They said, look, you know which side of the dirt you on. Okay. You in this they Texas borderline, you're going to say the Texas stuff. <laughs> so up next is Gorilla Glue, Glue Girl. Have we talked? about her at all no we haven't we, we yeah, almost we, made it through without talking about it. yeah we honestly we wasn't going to talk about her until this black excellence came up <laughs> so basically i'm sure all y'all been following the story of the gorilla glue girl um she, this girl basically slicked her had a slick ponytail honey that ponytail was slick <laughs> for the gods so it was slick i when i saw i was like oh her ponytail look good <laughs> then because i didn't listen to the video at first and i let it pass by my timeline a few couple days and i listened yeah, to I it, kept seeing it like, what like, are they talking about and i was like gorilla glue why would she do that so yeah basically she slicked her hair back and then to touch it up to keep it slick, she got some Gorilla Glue spray and sprayed it on her head. And these past couple of weeks, months, well, however long it's been, she has not been able to get it out. And she basically been documenting her whole journey. Um, she went to the hospital. They said it will take acetone um, to get it out. And she tried to do it herself, but she was in pain too much. So she blew. She flew to California. To, what's the doctor's name? Doctor. His, name, his Instagram name is Dr. Michael Cobing. That is spelled K O B E N G. And okay, so this is where the black excellence comes in because this man saw this girl's story. And y'all, my solution to it, because she had finally got that ponytail off. So my solution to it was like, girl, go ahead and get, get you a sharp little razor, <laughs> go to the barber, had him, had him to shave that off. But this man, you know, he went to medical school and everything because he's a doctor, right? He <laughs> used science. Yeah, he like, he looked up the ingredients and the compounds of Gorilla Glue and then found, came up with a solution to dissolve it. Like, how crazy is that? And he- Along he with aloe vera and tea tree and like good stuff. Like, he was making sure her hair was moisturized. And did you see the care that they was dealing with her yes, hair? I was yes. like- they they knew and he did it for free and what's crazy is this is okay so my friend tasha shout out to you tasha this is her uncle 
Like he's uh he's Ghanaian and I think he went to he went to some uh he went to one of the Texas schools. I can't remember which one. But yeah, like this is a whole ass like real doctor out here, Ghanaian representing for Africa and out here doing the damn thing. And he did that for free for her. So they said he came to America with only two hundred dollars and now he's worth like millions. So oh my gosh. That's amazing so yeah and she still has some hair left and you know afterwards she was talking about they was like are you gonna let your hair breathe or you gonna go get your hair done she was like i need my hair done valentine day is coming (laughs) and then i went to her page and sis is really like a chick from the hood like she really (laughs) is so i knew that from her eye color and the from the the contacts and the gorilla glue she's 40 yeah she looked in her twenties, she looked. She looked so young. That's, that's yeah. But they saved but, all her hair. The only, you know, basically they saved her hair. Like all together, they didn't have to cut none of it off because they used that compound. So whatever. Honestly, left- I would cut my hair off. Honestly, I would start over because I feel like after that gorilla glue on it, your hair is not in. No, it's gonna break off or something. Well, the way that it looked, it already looked like she. It didn't look natural, so she probably gets relaxers. So she uh-huh. might want to start all the way over because considering all the chemicals you've had to uh-huh. try to use. I would start over personally. But yeah, that's the Black Excellence. And, and she the almost last- had like, last I checked, she was at like 700,000 followers. She started off with like, when this thing first happened, I remember going to her page, she had like a thousand followers. Yeah, she has like, she's almost at a million. Oh, so- that's what I was going to say too. So I saw the rates of what she's charging to post on her page. I said, sis, get your money. Yeah, that is. And people talking about this was all cap. It was all a plan. And I was like, why are y'all arguing about this for one? This girl secured the bag. And she's breaking generational curses. <laughs> I can't even get mad. So... Yeah, no, and now no. anybody that like if this ever happens, like there's a solution for it. So I think like, why not? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all, y'all found her rate. So the girl's name is Tessica Brown. And for all posts will be on the page for 30 days. IG video on the page is 2,500. IG photo on the page is 2,000. IG story with three slides is 1,750. And IG story with one slide is $1,000. She got the confidence to <laughs> with it. <laughs> Honestly, that's how much these influencers charging out here. Like for real, with her following, she can charge that, and she got a high engagement. She can really charge more. That's why I'm like, sis, really need to get some package deals. She need to get a high influencer bag, start shooting content, get branded, all that. Like she could really make some money. Um, like the um guy um where the money reside. If he branded himself so well, he was prepared. Mm-hmm. He was prepared for his 15 minutes. He branded himself so well. He bought he bought the trademark. Uh-huh. Like right when it happened. Mm-hmm. He bought it right when it happened. And he marketed himself well. And so you know what would be really good is if she came out with a wig glue. Yep. Yeah. That'll be on brand. But yeah, I'm all here for people getting their money. I don't understand what's what's the argument around it. Shit, that's black excellence to me too. So, yeah, we can end there. Um, I guess we can go into the media, the the main segment. We're going to talk about Enneagrams. 
Okay, so like I said, today we're going to be talking about Enneagrams. And before we get into that, I do want to reintroduce our guest, Monica. And I just want to give her the floor to just kind of explain like her background, her specialty, because she is a licensed professional counselor like myself. And we actually went to um, grad school together. So yeah, Monica, tell us a little bit about your background and like your specialty. Yeah, yeah. So hello, everyone. My name is Monica Denias, and I'm a Latinx therapist here in Dallas, Texas. I specifically work with women entrepreneurs. I help them feel confident in both life and business and stop questioning themselves. So one of the things about the Enneagram that I've used a lot through like my therapy sessions is I feel like this tool is so helpful when it comes to understanding who you are and what motivates you. So I love that Devin picked this topic because I basically told Devin, like, you need to take the exam. Like you need to do this because it's going to help you so much. I feel like when we know ourselves, like if we know our sense of selves, like Mm -hmm. we really can make big moves, like in our, in, in, in the way we do things, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. I definitely agree with that. So I'm so excited to talk about this. So what I am going to suggest before like listening further, if you can at least try to take the Enneagram um, exam and we're going to link it in the description. Um, but also if you can, um, if you can't take it, at least try to look up the different Enneagrams and figure out which one resonates best with you. And we're going to go into a little bit more detail um, about the Enneagrams here. So just starting off, can you kind of explain what exactly are Enneagrams? Like, how did this come about? I feel like I didn't hear about this in grad school. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, well, it first came from like a spiritual thing um that that's where I first heard of it there the actually the founder the person who actually started um like who created this book of the Enneagrams is actually a, a therapist based in Dallas so that that's pretty cool wow. um, but yeah at, yeah she was based in in Dallas there's actually a therapist friend who she she like the girl the the lady who started this I don't remember her name Sharon Shannon um like that's her mother-in-law so she basically got her training from her mother-in-law as a therapist and he uses this for her clients but basically the Enneagram reveals that all people belong to one of nine personality traits and the thing is like the Enneagram is not something that kind of puts you into a box, but it helps you identify both your strengths and your limitations of a preferred strategy. And it gives you guidance on how to develop more capacity beyond that. Like, honestly, it's like, it's like a lens of like, why do I do the things that I do? And the thing is, it's not, it doesn't tell you all about yourself. It doesn't also create excuses for yourself. I want to say that very clear, like, oh, I'm any, I don't like, I want you not to use your Enneagram as like, oh, I'm an Enneagram eight. That's why I do this. No, it's more of like seeing like, that's why I do this. And this is where the capacity of growth that I have, this is where I can expand from that growth or expand from that. What it seemed like my weakness or limitation. So I want Mm -hmm. people to see this as a personal development growth tool, because that's how I use it with my clients. I don't use it as like, this is my clutch. This is who I am. And that's it. You can't change me. No, Mm -hmm. this is who I am. And this is how I'm going to grow out of this and be the healthiest one or healthiest three or whatever it is you know of the numbers so I kind of want to say that what do y'all think like do you I mean I'm sure you guys have taken another personality test but like I'm, I'm curious what's all what, what's y'all's number I am an eight I'm an eight wing five 
two. Did mm-hmm. I say that right? Uh, I don't know if I said that correctly, but overall, I'm an eight. So you're an eight, Desiree. So I'm going to show you my results if you can see them. But <laughs> I, it said that I, I scored highest for six, but I also scored the same for two. Mm, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to give you guys all the details of each one and Desiree, I want to see, so we're going to do the two and the, and the six and see like what that looks like. I do want to start just in numerical order, just for the sake of things. But like, so the one, um, I specifically work, I see a lot of people in my therapy, therapy practice, ones, twos, and threes. And I'm going to tell you why. So me, my specialty is perfectionism, anxiety. Those are the two things that I typically see in my practice. Um, and so this is why. So the one is called the reformer. And I personally like to call them like the moral perfectionist because the ones they literally want to do the right thing. Like they don't want to be corrupt. Like they, their biggest desire is to be good, to have integrity, to be balanced. Um, they feel like they have to like achieve these high standards. They're often perfectionists, like at nature, they want to be right. They want to like make sure that they can justify themselves in every way they want to be. Um, they don't like criticism. Like they just want to be right. Like these are the people that if you call them out on something, they're probably going to correct it because they literally do not want to show any type of weakness. They want to be just so organized. So, and that's why I at first thought I was the one, but then I thought about if, it, you know, once I'm talking to, about these numbers, I want you to think about the numbers as what motivates me to do the things that I do. And mm-hmm. me, that doesn't motivate me like being right or being good or having integrity that doesn't motivate me. So mm-hmm. I, I quickly found out that uh, that's not my thing <laughs> that the being the one is not um, who I am. But in therapy, I feel like the one can really benefit from learning about their perfectionist tendencies and their anxiety um, because their biggest weakness is basically keeping their anger um, and dissatisfaction for others to themselves. Um, and they and they can't accept that the world is not perfect. And they don't understand why other people feel a certain way. They, they believe that people should feel like they are feeling. Um, so ones are typically those, the people who really want to strive to just be like, they have the rules, like they need mm-hmm. rules without rules. It's like, no, if you tell one to do something that's outside of like the normal rules of society, they're going to be like, no, I can't do that. So I'm wondering, what? do you guys like, does this like pick up any celebrity that you can think of? Well, we already said it out offline, Michelle Obama. Um, mm-hmm. that, but now that you describe it, I'm like, that does remind me, that does seem like Michelle, like how Michelle is. Um, but that's the only celebrity that I can, can you think of one? So I, I, I saw online Meryl Streep is another celebrity, like the actor. Mm. Um, so if I saw her like in Devil, Devil Wears Prada, like I would say, yeah. And then Gandhi. Gandhi is, I mean, he's like mm. uh, a celebrity kind of. Um, but yeah, so he will be like the moral perfectionist. Like he always wants to do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. He's always like philosophical and always wanting to do the good thing. Um, so that I would say that that's what a one is. They said Al Gore was. Oh. Is a one. <laughs> I think they said Kevin G is also a one. Who's Kevin G? The 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 sax uh the the guy that plays the saxophone. He's like really famous saxophone player. No. Mm. 
Maybe that's, that's a white people thing. I don't know. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. That she's a there one. There you go. Yep. She's a one. Um, I'm sure else? Bernie Sanders is a one. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, well, we'll, we'll, Google we'll, says we'll, uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah, I see that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not a one. That was one of my. That was my lowest score actually. So do I not care about doing anything? No, let me stop. <laughs> I definitely don't care about no rules. I know that sounds horrible, but I really don't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely a rule breaker. Like, I'm that person that pushes the limits of rules and boundaries. Just because. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Desiree, you said that you're either a two or a six. So, the twos are called the helpers, and their basic fear is of being unwanted, unworthy of being loved. So, their biggest desire Ooh. is to feel love. They, their, their key motivations are, I want to be loved. I want to express feelings for others. I want to be needed. I want to be appreciated. I want to get others to respond to me. I want uh, validation. Um, now, because of that, a lot of clients come to me as twos, as uh, very deep-rooted people-pleasing. And, and because they want so much to be needed and helped, that they end up pushing the limits of their boundaries. They have no boundaries. I literally just said that. Uh, right? You just said that, right? They have no boundaries um, because there's this need to serve others. Um, Enneagram twos have a motivation to be liked and appreciated. They value relationships. So they're usually like the kind people, they, they, they self-sacrificing, um, they, um, are able to practice self-care and offer gifts. Um, but the thing with, uh, like an unhealthy two is they may manipulate manipulate that as they they give to get so like I'm going to do something for you because I want you to do the same thing for me Mm. and that's not always the case like people don't always respond that way so they end up feeling the most disappointed because what they're doing is not authentically just to be kind and 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 people please what they do is just because they want to receive that same thing right because they want to be loved and appreciated that's what they need so a lot of them they end up sacrificing themselves and then feel very disappointed with other people do not reciprocate. So have you ever found yourself feeling like, man, I give so much to these relationships or these people around me, but they don't give me anything back. That might be what we're stepping into where, okay, I got to recognize this and I need to grow from that. And I need to, a, a healthy to will do things to help others because they want to, you know, they want to serve and it's a place of purpose versus a place of like give and get. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that was my second. Yeah, so, that was my second. That was your highest. This, yeah, no, yeah. Well, you. Highest. No, that was the highest for me, type two. But um, I, I just resonated with type eight more. So, and then like I told you, um, when I took the test, I was kind of like in a in a space emotionally. So I kind of feel like I leaned more towards two maybe mm-hmm. at that time. But I think just overall, my personality in general, I am an eight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I would confirm that you're an eight and I'm going to share the eight in a minute. Right. So <laughs> the next one is the three and that's the achiever. And I'm actually a three. Oh, we forgot to say, so, so, um, we forgot to say the celebrities for type two. Oh the, yeah. This, the celebrities for type two. What I, did you guys come up with? I found Maya Angelou. She's mm-hmm. a type two. 
I think Mother Teresa. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and who else did I see? Um, Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mr. Rogers is on here. That's mm-hmm. definitely type two. <laughs> yeah. Do you know any? Who do you know that's a type two, Monica? Uh, um. So, like on the Enneagram website, it said Monica Lewinsky was a type two, and I mean, your girl was helping Bill Clinton, what? so I guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. She was people pleasing. She, she was people pleasing. That's funny. <laughs> no, but like every time she would go into like like the media stuff, she was very much like the victim of the situation and like always, you know. So like I feel like twos, they could be their best when they're giving out of a place of purpose. Um, but when they're giving out of a place of wanting to get, that's when things like go the other way mm-hmm. okay so type three yeah so that's my type <laughs> i'm a type three and their basic fear is um of being worthless so their oh. basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile these are people who are self-assured are ambitious very energetic um but they're also very high driven for advancement they are they, they may seem like very poised, very like they got all their shit together. That's what we want people to think. Like we got all our shit together. Like we don't need no help. But in an unhealthy three, we are workaholics. We are competitive and jealous. Um, we, we can feel like sometimes it may feel like you, we may be unauthentic because we can mold ourselves for the right, like, um, like for the right environment, like, so, so, so sometimes it feels like they're like chameleons. I feel like they, they can morph into anybody that you want. They're the doers. They're very goal oriented. Um, they want to be affirmed. That's the biggest thing. Like for threes, they want to be affirmed. They want the attention. They want to be um, admired. So my advice for a three out there would be, um, definitely, um, in, in terms of room for growth, take breaks. You can drive yourself and others to just feel exhausted. The fact that you're constantly going to, to want to achieve a goal, mm-hmm. ambition and self-development are good qualities, but make sure that you rest and that you reconnect with your more deeper self that you, the biggest thing that you can do for a three is tell them that you like them for them and not for the things that they do for you. That's the biggest thing about a three, like your three, your three friends are probably going to tell you and give you all like all the advice, all the tips, but it's not so much that they want you to acknowledge what they do for you, but more of like, Hey, I love you for who you are, regardless of the things that you do for me. Um, so yeah, so that's what a three is. So I see a lot of threes, um, in my practice, um, cause a lot of them are like the entrepreneur type, the people who start businesses and stuff and are constantly achieving, but they never take breaks. Like they're always go, go, go. And self-care, it can be really hard. Yeah. That's crazy. For the mm. celebrities that I see for type three is Beyonce, Oprah, <laughs> Will Smith, that's crazy. That, <laughs> but Monica, you definitely are type three, like for real. Type three, that was like my fourth highest one. Um, that was like my lowest. 
you're not ambitious Desiree I'm just kidding no yeah um no I mean I feel like threes um I feel like the biggest challenge for threes are just to recognize who you are like if therapy is going to be helpful it is to discover who you really are and showing that like showing who you truly are whether it is social media um life like any anything like just be yourself and know that people are going to like you for just being you and not what they want from you right so mm-hmm. i think that's the biggest thing yeah no um i saw that uh tony robbins is a three which makes sense i mean he's been building a huge empire lady gaga is a three so a lot of like people are threes uh, that's a big that's a big common um enneagram number yeah okay so type four the individualist so they're the sensitive type they're your drama queens like they're if you have a friend out there who's a four they feel all the feelings they their basic fear is that they have no identity and like they just they just don't know who they are that's their biggest thing like they want to know who they are um so they always want to express themselves they want to feel like they're like in tune with their feelings they want to take care of their emotional needs but in doing that, a lot of my fours attract wanting to like in relationships, all attract like rescuers, like in their lives, like they want people to rescue them, rescue them from not feeling these feelings. So they're constantly wanting to feel like they have like deep connections to people. But really, they're just trying to escape that feeling that they have, if that makes any sense. So like fours may focus on what is missing, like they desire what they don't have, and they reject what they do have. So always feeling like, like, there's always like something wrong. There's always something that doesn't feel right, something that doesn't that feel like missing. So they seek that out. So in relationships, these are the most vulnerable people. These are your friends that might feel like they go from guy to guy because they constantly want to feel validated in their emotions or escape that emotion. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, my fours, I feel I feel for them because they're so emotional. Um, but they want to escape that emotion. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like they're, they're just constantly wanting to find out who they are, but in doing that, they're, they're not really finding who they are. They, they like run from it. Yeah. So if they were healthier. They would focus on, on the feelings that they're feeling. Yeah. It's almost like when um, we talk about like people who are so focused on self-healing that they don't really, they kind of just focus on it too much. Like, you know what I mean? That sounds mm-hmm. like, um kind of what you're explaining yeah and they and they can feel like they're super like self-absorbed um so they don't let people in um so yeah no for sure the fours are our feelers but they're but they're also the friends that will validate our feelings like if we say we're sad they'll be like i know you're sad like yes girl like you sh- you you be sad like i understand that like our fours are probably our, our biggest friends who will understand our feelings in terms yeah. of that so get yourself a four because they will definitely validate your feelings um, in terms of like in friendships and the celebrities that i see that are fours are taylor swift Angelina which yes <laughs> with all her yes. songs taylor swift oh my yes gosh. and amy winehouse too really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. angelina jolie um johnny depp mm-hmm. remember like johnny depp well he comes out all, in all these movies like super expressive super dramatic yeah for sure yeah that makes sense okay
Yeah, so the Nest Enneagram, it's the five, and they're called the investigators. So these people, their basic fear is being useless, helpless, and incapable. So their biggest desire is to be capable and competent. These are the people who want to know everything about everything. They always have all these like intense ideas and just like are always like the independent type. Um, But the biggest thing about the fives is that they can get so stuck in their head because they always want to pursue to figure out everything. But in doing that, um, they can treat like, Things can always go wrong. There's just too much. These are our overthinkers. Usually um, a five can struggle with anxiety, um, depression as well, because it's just so much in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they tend to be like super extreme and intense. Um, they find it difficult to relax and unwind. Um, they love things that they would love to do and things that would be help them in their growth is like meditation, jogging, yoga, dancing. Those are the things that they need to do. They need exercises that helps them with, you know, going back to helping ease their mind and their brain. So the biggest struggle with fives also is they tend to like isolate from other people because they're so much into their ideas um, that they tend to just like isolate themselves. That makes sense. That's interesting. That's very interesting. As far as the celebrities, I see Mark Zuckerberg or Mark Zuckerberger, as Boosie said, um, <laughs> and Bill Gates. Yeah. Um, also, Albert Anson. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All like all of them are big idea people, right? They get so consumed yeah. with a new product or a new thing for their empire so yeah that makes completely sense and then we got the six and these are the loyalist i feel like they are the best friends that anybody can have because they're so committed to feeling secure they want to make you make sure you feel secure but in doing that they feel insecure themselves because they work so hard to feel like um to feel this sense of trust they actually end up foreseeing problems they foster um they feel I, I feel like they they always run on stress like they they're they're very conscious in in making decisions very rebellious um they typically have problems with like self-doubt and like suspicion so i'm seeing people who um have like struggle with panic attacks and things like that feeling like always on edge um so their biggest fear is not being supported and guided. Um, their biggest desire is to feel security and support. So that's why they always want to show people that they're like loyal to you. Like you can trust me to tell me anything, you know, my, my highest was six. And then really it looked like two and six were like neck and neck, like at the same, but they both resonate with me. I think two is why I'm in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I think six is more of my, like my personality. Like I get so offended when people aren't loyal to me. Mm, yeah. Six tends to wor- like six tend to worry about what might happen and their ability to deal with it, which can lead to seeming insecure. They're not really insecure, um, but others may doubt that they're other people. When they see a six feeling doubtful, they feel like they can't handle things. But the thing is, it's the six that feels like I can't trust you. Like I can't trust you to do the things for me because mm-hmm. I'm constantly showing up for you and you're not showing up for me. Um, 
the biggest thing that sixes struggle is projection. They project the shit out of their feelings <laughs> to other people. They project fears Ooh, onto people. Devin, you ain't gotta look, make that face. <laughs> no, I was thinking the whole time she was talking. I was like, this is Dibs right up and down. Um, they avoid their own emotions and concerns and worries. <laughs> um, but you know what? Well, it's all it's all because they want to feel secure, you know, yeah. but my sixes, again, I would, my sixes are, like I said, they're, I would consider sixes to be the best friends that you need because they're constantly going to be there for you. Um, but you need to make sure that they feel secure and like that they can trust you when it comes to vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of my sixes. They said Joe Biden. <laughs> Desiree's just like, I'm done. Yeah. They said I just Joe got Biden. Red. <laughs> yeah, I seen Joe Biden, Ella DeGeneres. Um, who else? Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks. I wonder how he feels about his son. <laughs> his son be putting all their business out. <laughs> probably like, you ain't loyal. <laughs> okay. Okay, so type seven. I really don't know much about type seven, actually. Seven are like seven are the seven are the fun friends. They're like they call them the enthusiasts. They are extroverted. Um, but the thing is the they're hot mess express. They have like, I wanna do this, I wanna do that, I wanna do all this, but they never end up doing it. Um, so if you know a friend like that, very scattered, very undisciplined, they are constantly like thrill seekers. They typically have problems with impatience and being very impulsive um at their best they focus their talents on goals and being appreciative and satisfied but they're always seeking a new thing they get bored really easily which um like sucks for them because they don't always feel like they're 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 doing anything productive because they get so bored eventually um they usually mask their fear they're like they don't express that they don't really like that thing um even though it's like it's fear like sometimes like for entrepreneurs they will want to do and like do that idea but they're just say oh no i just got bored of it that's why i didn't do it no it's because you feared it honey you didn't you didn't want to do it because you felt fear um but they will not always say that they're terrified about that this uh, new opportunities will show up and that they're they're like the most people who would experience FOMO I feel so again very scattered brain very impulsive but very fun to be around if you want to have a party that's interesting because that's my third highest one because I tied for eight and two and then it was seven and I can see some characteristics of myself in there. I think I'm scatterbrained. I ain't going to lie to you. I ain't going to hold you. I'm scatterbrained. Um, you know, I forgot yeah. to say this, but my third highest was four, the dramatic one. <laughs> <laughs> the the one always in the feeling for being dramatic. I was like, child. <laughs> that was my fourth highest. And I can, I can relate to some of that, too. That's interesting. So as far as the celebrities for seven, it is Adam Levine. Um, Elton John, Eddie Murphy, John Kennedy. He did get bored easily. Molly Cyrus. (laughs) Molly Cyrus. She definitely goes through her things. And also Lil Nas X. (laughs) I love him so much. He's so funny. Yeah, he just, he seems fun. He seems like he'll be fun to be around. Even though Molly, she have a lot going on. She seems fun to be around too. 
So I would invite I would invite her to the carnasada. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for real. And John uh, John F. Kennedy. Yeah, he seemed like I heard I've watched I listen to a lot of like um true crime podcasts and like he comes up a lot because you know they had like the whole Kennedy curse and all that. And they just said how like charming he was and how fun he was to be around. Like everybody, every podcast always hit that. So I can see that from what I've heard. Um, so yeah, okay. Here come my type. <laughs> so the eights are the challengers. Now eights are very self-confident. They're strong. They're assertive. They're protective. They're resourceful. They're straight talkers. And they're very decisive, but can also be very egocentric and very like aggressive and domineering eights feel like they must have control of their environment they can be very confrontational intimidating eights typically have problems with their tempers and with allowing themselves to be vulnerable um at their best self they use their strength to improve others lives they become very like they're the hero type they're like if I see an injustice, I'm going to like say something about it. And they're very inspiring. Period. Their biggest fear is being to be controlled by others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their basic desire yeah. is to protect themselves, to be in control of their own life and destiny. If that's, if they, if there's anything that feels like it's going to be out of control, even in relationships, if there is someone who's telling them what to do or telling them how things should be, they're like, Mm-mm, I already know how I want things to be, how you should be, and they will tell you how it is now. But that does, doesn't allow them to see other people's perspective. Um, so they can miss out on opportunities where other people, when, when they show up in their vulnerable selves, other people can really um, cater to them and really notice them and be able to, you know, keep that sense of control, but they don't allow that. They feel like if I allow somebody in, um, they'll find out the truth they, they, um, might not know me, they might know me too well where they can hurt me. So they keep people. And also one of the things that AIDS do is they, they do this all or nothing. Like they either will put you as you're either strong or you're weak. And so if I notice you as a strong person, I'm going to, um, I'll fuck with you. If I'm, if I notice you as a weak with you, if I'm going to probably take advantage of you. Um, so those are my eights. My eights are very some control freaks over here. No, they weak people. <laughs> can't right? Like you just can't. Like I'll run um, all and that's just I feel like Devin. I feel like you said that in the beginning of our friendship. You was like, I don't keep no weak bitches around me. <laughs> I don't. I don't, and I can't. And that's and that. It's so crazy because that eight was me up and down, honey. Yeah, I do. If uh-uh. I was like, you know what, this is not even gonna work. Like, especially in relationships when they try to do that control thing. I just well, I see where this gonna go, and my temper is too short, and I can't deal with that. So yeah. So what I tell my eights, I would say that remember that the world is not against you. That many people in your life care about you and look up to you, but when you're so fixated on trying to control everything, you're not letting people to show you the type of strength and support they can provide you. Mm-hmm. So that's all I gotta tell my eights. Yeah, I do have to remind myself that I'm not gonna say. I do have to rem- I have to remind myself that the world isn't against me. It's such mm-hmm. a weird like trait to have like you know what I mean like just I, Desiree is always like girl do you ever cry 
And I'm just like, I do cry. I cry a lot, actually. But <laughs> yeah, Devin, so somebody said it so right. Um, I had an eight on my podcast and they said eights, when they approach life, they approach life with fists. But really what you need to do is you know, approach life with open hands so that you can receive everything that you're giving to other people. But when you approach life with fists, you're ready to fight. And the thing is, other people are not necessarily ready to fight you, but you are approaching life with fists up. And that might be, I don't know what it is, what, you know, yeah. there might be some, you know, some background on that. But yeah, a lot of eights approach life with, with fists and not open hands. Okay. Well, if I, I'm not, you know what I'm thinking over here, though, if I approach life with open hands, I mean, we can just, I can just slap them. <laughs> <laughs> That's finding the control in the things. Yeah, I love it, though. <laughs> That's horrible. Okay, anyways, but the famous um, type eight people are Martin Luther King Jr., which is interesting, um, Winston Churchill, Franklin D. Roosevelt, um, and that's all I can find. King, did y'all, do y'all see anybody else? That's the movers and shakers right there. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther, Bernie Sanders, <laughs> Donald Trump. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, I see Aretha Franklin. Mark Cuban. Dr. Phil. Queen Latifah. Oh, Tony Morrison. <laughs> Dr. Phil. Yeah, Dr. Phil. If you watch, if you watch his shows, he'd be like, uh uh-uh, uh, we not gonna have this on my show. So yeah, he be trying to control. <laughs> <laughs> So there's one more left. Yes, and that's the peacekeeper. Um, my, my, the nines are actually the most common of the Enneagram. They honestly, their biggest fear is of being just like feeling lost and separate, like separating from others. Like what they really want is just like peace and mind. So a lot of the things that they struggle with is people pleasing. Um, they always want to make sure that they're like, they don't have any conflict. They want to create this harmony, but in doing that, they avoid conflicts and they never are able to insert their own opinions or feelings. And they just want to avoid like, like I would say a nine in your show would not do really well because they don't like to talk about controversial like topics. Like they are the ones that like, I'm going to keep the peace. They're also very passive aggressive type. Um, And the biggest thing that they could work on is to know that their emotions are just as valid as other people's. And they, they don't always have to people please to avoid conflict that they could basically they are able to take conflict and be assertive without actually being rude or any of that. And I think that's the biggest thing. They feel like they are going to be rude and, and they feel like keeping the peace is the only thing that is going to keep the harmony in the relationship. And so that's why they avoid conflict. So these are the people that, you know, will cancel plans and stuff. Um, will say that they have some like, like, like they're sick, but like, really they're not. They'll just like cancel plans because they're like, I'm just going to say I have, I need to have an excuse to cancel my plans. They can just say, I just don't want to go, you know? So those are the people that may seem inauthentic because, but really they're just trying to like, they just don't want drama or problems. Wow. Mm -hmm. The person, (laughs) somebody close to me, the person that I'm seeing, he is definitely a nine. 
And then Desiree just sent me this screenshot about eight and nines, how we are compatible or whatnot. That's interesting. Adam's a nine. Adam, my husband, is a nine. Both men are probably nines. Again, it's the most common one. They like want to avoid conflict. They're like, mm-mm. Yeah. Not doing it. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what's coming. I'm just yeah. gonna stop. Okay. So how do you use well as far as the famous people for nines? Who do y'all see for that? Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. And Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Is that is that Bullock? Yeah. Bullock, yeah. Bill Clinton. <laughs> I don't know about that because he even caused some conflict. He ain't avoiding conflict. He got caught up. That's all. Okay. Um, Queen Elizabeth. I don't know. She with the shit. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I can see that. Ronald Reagan. Uh, yeah. Abraham Lincoln. He comes up. Abraham Lincoln had wood teeth. I cannot. No, he didn't have wood teeth. He had slave teeth. Yeah, that's disgusting. Being on the topic of slavery, some type of way <laughs> really needs to. I need some help. Okay, so why do you feel like knowing your integrant? Well, you kind of touched on it in the beginning, but like, how do you incorporate um, integrams into therapy? Yeah, I think it's like. I think the way that I use the Enneagrams in my therapy practice is like helping people understand that this is what motivates them to do the thing that, you know, the things that they do and knowing what motivates you can really help you figure out um, how are you approaching it? Are you approaching it in a healthy way or an unhealthy way? Because the thing is trying to keep the peace, like, like for Enneagram nines, we would just talk about trying to keep the peace. You still can be assertive without, feeling like people are walking all over you. You don't have to be a huge people pleaser. You don't have to avoid conflict. Like nothing bad's going to happen, but you feel like it is. So knowing that you're motivated to keep the peace, keep the peace in an assertive way. So like same thing for our eights who are wanting to feel like they need to control things, right? Like knowing that you're motivated to feel in control, then a therapist who understands that that's what your motivation is, then will help you understand what are, what are things that are within your control, right? Like that's what the therapist is going to do. There's, they're going to help you find ways and coping skills that help you ground you to feel like you're in control of your environment and things. So I think like if therapists are using this it's a great tool to help your client understand what your client needs in terms of like what motivates them. And in knowing that, you know what kind of homework you're going to give them, what kind of path you're going to give them for their own like growth. So I think like all therapists need to like start incorporating their Enneagrams because it's a way to really cater to your client. Like that's the first thing I ask clients like, hey, I send them like the link and I say, hey, I would love to know your Enneagram number because this is really going to help me figure out what motivates you to do the things that you do. And it's just part of the intake process. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like it just helps people understand themselves more. Mm. Yeah. Okay. You you got me sold on this, Monica. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, you taught me some stuff, like, for real. Like, I'm really interested in this because I never, I thought of, because I know when I first found out my type, I've read that um, Olivia Pope is like a, 
a type A. And if you know, I love the show Scandal. So I was like, yes, okay. I haven't ever watched Scandal. I need to watch Scandal. Ooh, what? It's so good. It's so good. So as it got closer to the end, it got crappier that last season. Still like I watched I watched How to Get Away with Murder. Bridgerton, I didn't know that was a Chandra Mm -hmm. show. I can't get into Bridgerton. It's so good. Really? It's so good. I'm like, I watched it three times. And I think that's just my anxiety, but I watched it three times. (laughs) I mean, I I mean it's good enough to watch again. I don't know about the three times. I just watched it like maybe a couple weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Is there any other questions? Like this, or do you have any questions? Um. Okay. So I did see information on like um, online about like who's most compatible. Because you know, naturally, when we think of horoscopes, because you know, we think of horoscopes and like, oh, that tells us who we are, and et cetera, et cetera. Then you start looking up your love connections. So of course, if you Google your Instagram number and like, oh, who's most compatible? Who should you marry? Do you think that there is any like true correlation with with that, or is there just kind of like look of the draw type thing? I honestly feel like. Knowing your partner's number can be helpful in terms of like what motivates them, but like a three can definitely be with a four or a seven or whatever. You just have to figure out what what works, right? It just means that there's there's some things that make you tick and you need to figure that out, right? I have an episode on my podcast. Um, so my podcast is Cafe with Monica with Michael Shahan. He actually focuses on Enneagrams and relationship. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. And we talk about like how each type shows up in relationships. Mm-hmm. And he basically, and, and, and honestly, he's like my instructor, like he, all this, like he taught me. Um, he really shows, he really says like, you can make it work regardless of what type you are, um, but it is important that you know what makes your partner tick and what your partner needs in terms of like their biggest desire. So we talked a lot about what their biggest fear and desire is. So if you know what your bi- your partner's biggest fear is, and if you're basically not doing like you're doing that like their biggest fear is to be unwanted and you're not showing up wanting them or making them feel desirable then you're doing the wrong thing right so um I think that this is just I feel like anybody can be compatible so like I don't want to say like go to the Enneagram because the Enneagram institute.com will help will you you can go and see like who you're compatible with but honestly don't do that like like you're not gonna about to break up with your boyfriend just because the Enneagram is a dude says you're not compatible. No, read your partner's Enneagram and figure out what works for you guys, right? Like, I feel like you can make it work. So honestly, I'm someone who says if you need to be in couples therapy, like be in couples therapy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just was wondering because like it, it was just funny how like when we were trying to Google celebrities, like the next thing that came up was like, oh, who should what Instagram should you marry or most compatible with? And I think we're just like in that time where, you know, it's quarantine. Everybody's looking for love. Valentine's Day is coming up. Um, you know, people going to be just I, it reminds me of that time when like everybody discovered love language. And it was like, as soon as you met somebody, it was like, take this quiz. And then it was like, you know, they want to like try to hit every mark on like, oh, it's, if it's quality time, I'm be at your house every day. And it's like, mm-hmm. OK, just just chill. Like, I don't not every day, but, you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. I <laughs> think and, like um, with um, astrology, like how people are like, I do not date Scorpios. Oh, I cannot stand Capricorn and stuff like that. It's kind of like the same way in, if you think about it. No, well, absolutely, I but I, so I don't believe that. What do you I'm think? a Leo. When you're realizing you're a Leo, and you are a Leo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess um, we shall see. I'm interested to learn more. I wish my therapist, well, I'm going to bring it up to my therapist to see if this is something that she like has heard of or is or is into because she hasn't asked me my Instagram or anything but I do think like you mentioned like that's a better way to cater to some to someone oh and I don't think we mentioned this online um but if you could mention how you were saying there there was two different types that people show up as just when they're going through stuff mm-hmm. so so every Enneagram so like there's a I don't know how to describe it but everybody has a type right that they resonate the most with but they also have wings. These are things where that you're most closely related to or most closely resonate with. But then there's also things where you show up. So when I, like I'm a Neogram 3, when I'm most stressed, I show up as a 9. Avoiding conflict, doing all the things. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my growth self, I show up, I, I believe, as a 7. Very extroverted, very like, you know, like the party. Um, so everybody has a Enneagram where they can show up in their unhealthiest way, their stress level and their growth level are so different. Um, so that's the best way I can explain it. Like really, you need to take the test. You need to figure out what type you are and figure out like how you, when you show up stress, know that it's because you're probably leaning into a different type mm-hmm. uh, but that's just that that doesn't necessarily mean that you are that type it just means you're leaning on that like on their unhealthiest way because mm-hmm. we all have these like fears and desires um but sometimes when we are stressed out or we're in a level of growth when we're feeling all the feelings um we may show up um as something else so just keep mm-hmm. that in mind like oh. typically we're very standard in our type but when we're more stressed, like I know quarantine can be very stressful. We can show up like trying to avoid conflict. Like for me, like I said, I'm a three, but in stress, I can be a nine, which means I am passive aggressive. I avoid conflict. I will not tell my husband what's going wrong. I just want to make sure, I just want him to figure it out. Um, And he's a nine. So he like avoids it. (laughs) So it's like, it's hard. (laughs) So we just have to figure out our ticks. So no, for sure. I, I I would say like, again, just figure out who you, who, what personality type you are like in just like in general. And then you, the Enneagram Institute gives you a good graphic of where you are in your stress and your growth level. Yeah. Okay. My growth is I'm a type two in growth and in stress, there you I go. am a four. Yeah. I'm very a- emotional. What'd you say? Oh, I think oh, you I just you're said, emotional when you're stressed. No, in growth, I'm type two. But in stress, I'm type four. That's why they're like very oh, emotional. Yeah. 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 In, in my growth, I'm a nine. So in, in my growth stage, I'm peaceful, <laughs> which is funny. Yes. And then I'm a three when I'm stressed. Workaholic 
overthinking all that stuff yeah that is true because like that's why I had to take that leave from work because I was just like working 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 and then I was so stressed out and I was like this is not going away and then I took a leave from work <laughs> well I'm glad you recognized it that you needed a break yeah this stuff yeah. might have some truth to it come on now I'm I'm it, sold it, on it true to it I'm sold I'm sold okay so let's I guess that's the end of that segment um we're going to ask him for a friend and then we're going to close it out Okay, so for asking for a friend, we have a letter and it says, me and this girl has really grown close these past few months, um, but now her personality is starting to annoy me. (laughs) It's just her as a person that annoys me, not trying to be rude to her. I just realized I don't really like her like that anymore, which is fine, but I really want to break things off. Being in that friendship makes me feel tied down when friendships should uplift you. I want to end our friendship, but I do not want to do it dramatically because we go to the same college and I don't want things to be weird between us. How should I end this friendship? I'm getting a lot of Enneagram nine vibes, like (laughs) avoiding the conflict. Um, Basically, so one, honestly, before like quitting the friendship, like really, how many times have you actually told your friend that this was a problem? Like, what is the problem? She said it's just her personality in general. Like, she just don't vibe with. Yeah. I mean, it could be a it could be an internal thing. So maybe that person is the same person they've always been. And now you're in, like, a different space. Maybe you're stressed out. And, like, they're, like, not helping in that because of their personality. Maybe they're, like, the party friend or something. Like, you don't understand. I'm stressed out. So, it, I don't know. It, it just seems to me because there was no specific issue brought up it just seems like maybe you're in your head too much about that person and maybe it's really you overthinking and overanalyzing their personality when you should you might need to turn it inward and see you know what you may be going through to even pick up on it so much now rather than before yeah Yeah. I I think if the person is getting on your nerves I feel like you should take a break from them it doesn't mean you have to end the friendship um in most friendships your friend gonna get on your nerves eventually if y'all around each other too much you may just need breaks and now if you come together and she still gets on your nerves I think it's it'll be good for you to pinpoint what is actually bothering you that she's doing um and maybe have a conversation with her but if not like people grow apart I don't think everything has to be this whole dramatic oh, we can't be friends anymore because I just don't like you as a person. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, you can just put space in between y'all. Everything doesn't have to be a big dramatic conversation. Yeah, and ultimately, it's like, what do you need, right? Like, if that friendship is not serving you, like, really give the person a chance to tell them, like, I feel this when you do this. And so what I need is this. Like, I always tell clients, like, always go with I statements and make sure that you let the person know what's like going on. And if they're not reciprocative of of that, then that's okay that that's your out. You can say, Hey, I did everything I could. This person is just not serving me and bye. I'm going to use my energy somewhere else. 
Yeah. I think she really needs to identify what is getting on your nerves about her. Like, pinpoint it. Yeah. I had a friend do um, end our friendship very dramatically by telling me, like, this is somebody I talk to, like, every day. And um, she sent me, like, a really long message telling me basically all the things that bothered her about our friendship. Um, and it was like petty stuff. It was stuff like, girl, you still remember that? Like, why didn't you address this then? But then it ended up being this super, like those ones you have to scroll and scroll and read. And by the, by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, well, I don't even want to be a damn friend no more anyway. Like if you feel all this way about me and never, you know, express it. Cause it was stuff that, you know, could have been worked out or like, had you spoke up in that moment and said like, Hey, that hurt my feelings or like, Hey, I feel this way about it. Like it could have been nipped in the butt, but instead, you know, people tend to hold on to things and then it comes out like a tornado and rips apart a friendship. So if there's some, some issue that you have with a friend, I think that it's best to bring it up. And like Monica said, like, see if it's something where y'all can, you know, switch um, mm-hmm. your, your roles in the friendship. Like maybe it just needs to have a tweak. I mean, like, what is it that could be bothering you? Okay, you don't like her personality. Well, guess what? Like, you're going to have to work with people with that same personality nine times out of 10. So, and like, you're going to have to be around those people or, you know, you just may be in situations where you have to deal with those people anyway. Not to say that you should keep a friendship just because of that, but you also have to know how to deal and cope with these things in the future. So that way you're not treating that same type of personality when you see it the same way, which is like cutting off cold turkey or just deciding to like avoid this person or, you know, like none of those are like healthy ways to navigate friendships. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So that's our advice for today. So thank y'all for tuning in on this episode. So please be sure to subscribe, leave us good ratings on Apple, share with your mama, your cousin, your auntie, all that. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at, at selfcaregang. I always remember this. I always forget this. Selfcare.gang. Um, Twitter, selfcaregangpod. Um, and also follow Monica at Cafe with Monica on Instagram, on all platforms, right? Yeah, no, all platforms. Well, no, TikTok right. is TikTok is coffee and therapy. I want it to be different. <laughs> and yeah, so I follow like me it. on TikTok because Instagram doesn't give me my reels. So go, go follow me on TikTok. But yeah, Cafe with Monica on Instagram and podcast. So you can also hear the podcast that I did with Devin and Desiree on our holiday segment and yeah we talk all things entrepreneurship mindset and mental health yep oh yeah y'all tap in with her and thank you for joining us today monica yes thank you so much i really enjoyed this episode i'm like ooh, i just have all the feels right now like i just but like i can do life now (laughs) okay well thank y'all for joining us today and y'all have a good week we'll see y'all next sunday well we'll talk to y'all next sunday Bye.